Tame the serpent. Soldiers. He's like five foot tall, my father. Funny how he used to look like a giant to me. At four years old, he was my best friend. When he could, he'd take me swimming to Los Chorros and buy me clothes while he did his rounds as a bus driver from Santa Ana to Sonsonate. He'd let me dress him up and put makeup on him. And if he wasn't paying attention, I'd pierce his ear with one of mom's gold earrings. Most of his past is a mystery to me. He's a quiet and reserved man when he isn't dancing. My father's father wasn't very kind. Typical of his generation, I suppose. He was an unforgiving, womanizing thief. He made my father go to school barefoot, frayed him with belts for his kid mistakes. So of course, as a grown man, my father became obsessed with shoes. He's a size eight and a half wide. When Christmas comes around, his gifts are always shoes, always. So I buy cheap wrapping paper and for the first time ever, I decide to wrap his present instead of handing it to him in the bag it came in. I get him comfy slippers from Target because he's older now and all he wears nowadays are comfy things. But he looks less than pleased when he opens it his closet is full of expensive boots, tennis shoes, slippers, and penny loafers. But he puts them on and suddenly realizes that this might not be so bad after all. As the night unwinds, I can hear his old feet dragging on the cold floor as I watch Saturday Night Fever. He sits next to me and smiles at Tony on the television. In his youth, he was Tony. Danced like Tony, dressed like Tony, had odd jobs like Tony. I work at a shoe store where the owner trusted me with his shoe shop and sent me on a long road trip to some of his richer clients. I'd always say yes to a job, no matter how tired I was or what plans I had that night. I always said yes to a job. I had shown to be a hard worker, so he sent me off to one of those things that were the hardest things for me to do. He told me to go to a military station on some remote part of the mountains and measure the feet of 900 soldiers. And I did. I measured all of their feet and brought back the results and made charts of how many of each size and went back to deliver them when they came. I always said yes to a job. Always. I fucked that one up a little bit, but that's all right. <clears throat> all right. Let's get into a conversation here. This one's a little long, so... Um, yeah. It's called By Nature. I am a bisexual woman. I say this, but I still get pangs of guilt, shame, and doubt that surface each time I admit this out loud or in the privacy of my own headspace. I am not a scholar, just an immigrant with a library card. I have been keenly aware of sexuality since the age of four, and even more so, I've been aware that I didn't discriminate among the sexes. Sexual abuse opened up a part of my psyche that should have stayed closed for at least another decade. My experience and my story is exactly that, mine, 
And all I'm trying to convey is how sexuality is and will continue to be something that is completely unique to each individual and something that should be respected. <clears throat> One doesn't always land safely in the lap of sexuality. Sometimes we develop our preferences based on traumas and discomfort. Sometimes we are flushed with guilt because we are in an environment that reminds us to be. Religion reinforces all of these things and sometimes these traumas happen inside of these holy places and one is left with a feeling of overkill. Hypocrisy is riddled with guilt. Love is riddled with guilt. Joy is riddled with guilt. Sex is riddled with guilt. No peace exists and we carry this until we don't. The shift in understanding that my attraction towards men was different than my attraction towards women came when I entered high school. I had lost my virginity to a paranoid catatonic schizophrenic who left me heartbroken and confused. My only consolation was weed and the occasional hot pocket. I had managed to heal as much as a 16-year-old could heal from her first love. I entered 10th grade hopeful that things would somehow either get better or at the very least stay neutral. It was a blur, my whole first experience. I recall walking and the next thing I knew she was on my bed and my parents were somewhere and the condo was quiet and the traffic was non-existent and we were high and her shaved head gleamed in the moonlight and her baggy sweatpants itched their way up and down my bare leg. Was I really kissing a girl? It felt good, but wrong. It felt natural, but far away. When I looked at her face and saw her soft features looking back at me, I realized that my feelings ran deep and I could absolutely feel what I felt for the schizophrenic for this girl. But something was different. Something felt nervous. And I was saddened by this interaction. The days went by and memories were made and realized that what I had begun to question was not the person I was with, but the way I was with them. Attraction is carnal, nothing about it is normal. Sex is violent, but so is love, distortion. Rose-colored lenses turn black and blue, everything all at once and nothing separately. That is the norm. Tastes thwart with the passage of time, Lovers come in all colors, shapes, and traumas. Sexuality is just another word for circumstance, and love is just another word for business. In between all this madness, we are left with an understanding that love in its intensity is not a thing for unhealthy cowards. This includes us. We are reminded that love doesn't take account what looks right to the masses or to the puritanical mindset that plagues our stunted United States of America. We are free to experience love and all its complexity without the unnecessary bullshit of shame and guilt. But the freedom to do that is up to us. It is up to us to remind ourselves daily that what is fed to us is wrecked and that our nutrition is our responsibility. We often play the victim in our adult bodies because pointing the finger is easier than actually going through the many stages of healing. Even that is a lie. 
Healing is not something finite. It is ever-changing and much like how my shame and guilt ebbs and flows with the passage of time. And much like the passage of time, the past becomes a caricature of the present. My bisexuality is as important as my ability to breathe. It is something that should not be taken into account when referring to who I am and what I am. It is my natural state of being. But I will tell you what it is not. It is not me wanting threesomes. It is not me being in perpetual heat. It is not a raging libido. It does not mean that I am no longer queer. Bisexuality scares people because it is gray. It is a commitment to a hall of mirrors from the outside in. I'm looked at as if I can run in either direction and still end up unhappy. Thing is, I'm married. I fell in love with a man. I'm not dead, therefore I find other humans attractive, but I am committed. I have chosen to be in a partnership with my person because this is the person that I have made vows to. I love my husband. I love our life. I am not pining. I am not a freak. I am a human being designed to be who she is. A woman in full control of her sexuality and how she embodies it. A woman in love. A loyal woman. A woman who knows who she is. I am a bisexual woman.